Hello, everyone. And we will be speaking about relationship compatibility, the Kabbalah of dating. So let's begin with a million-dollar question. What does it take to find a true and enduring soulmate? How do I know what makes someone compatible with me? And what even defines compatibility? And is there hope? Above all, is there hope that I can truly find the right person? So, um, obviously, this is a question and issue that challenges us all. This is one of the biggest issues in life, especially today, the crisis of relationships, crisis of intimacy. Um, as they say, you can't live with him, you can't live without him, you can't live with her, you can't live without her. Relationships are complex. So you may be surprised to know that the mystics in the Kabbalah actually map out five dimensions of a soul. And in turn, we can derive from that what compatibility actually means, especially when you're seeking a soulmate. Because before you talk about a soulmate, you need to talk about what is a soul and what is the components that define a soul. So um, when you find people seeking relationships, they're often prioritizing in the wrong places. You say, I want someone that will really be one with me. I want someone that will understand me. Are we really identifying the, tr the true criteria that will take for both finding the right person and above all sustaining it in a type of thriving relationship? And that's what we're going to be talking about. So it's interesting, the way a human being was created, we don't date and we don't have courtships and we don't get into romantic relationships when we're young children. We're not ready that for that. In a sense, we first have to develop ourselves as individual personalities before we go out looking for a soulmate. To put it in simple terms, how could you find a soulmate if you don't know what your soul is like? So, of course, people say, you know what, I don't know who I am, but maybe if I find the right person, they can help me find out who I am. Well, that's mistake number one. No other person can ever help you find your identity. They can help nurture your identity. They can help support it. But ultimately, you need to have some sense of self if you're going to be confident and secure in finding another self. This doesn't mean we have to be completely developed and completely aware and completely cognizant of every, every life situation. There's actually a certain beauty in the adventure, in the mystique, even in the free abandon, where we don't have it all figured out. But on the other hand, we have to have some sense of self, because if a person is seeking in love, finding someone else that will love you and you have difficulty loving yourself, there's always going to be challenges. This doesn't mean that it can be done, but the more self-aware we are, obviously, the more helpful it is because you're able to bring yourself together with your strengths and your weaknesses, which is really what a relationship is all about, is also being able to celebrate your vulnerability, not just your invulnerability, because at the end of the day, a real relationship is two people, imperfect human beings, but they have a connection that they can connect with each other, and they both can complement one the other to the point they can transcend themselves and transcend their ability to go even beyond their own natural and historical background. Because we all come with baggage, and baggage does define us, 
But that does not mean the baggage controls our destiny. It helps um, to understand yourself, requires knowing what your baggage is like, and then using it to either harness or overcome and recognize blind spots and grow from there. So to do this effectively really would be the big question would be, what is a soul comprised of? What makes us tick, essentially? So as I mentioned at the outset, there are actually five dimensions that the Kabbalists use to describe five levels of soul experience. And I'll first spell them out in the, in the Hebrew and just translate them quickly, and then we'll go through each one of the five. And as we shall see, once we understand these five, they actually create a framework. And I mentioned a blueprint through which we can actually define compatibility, which will help us in seeking and finding ourselves as well as our soulmates. Or your soulmate, let's call it uh, in the singular. So these five are, I may have spoken about it in previous classes and programs, these five going from the bottom up is five dimensions, one within the other. And that is, the first is called nefesh. We call that the biological life. The functionality and the level of survival that every soul provides us that we're alive. But as we all know, life can be at the minimum. You can be a zombie and God forbid a vegetable and you're still alive. So comes level two, ruach, which is, means spirit. It's another name for a soul, but it's actually another dimension. And that's an emotional life. That we aren't just functioning, breathing, and our hearts are beating, and our brain is working, but there's also an emotional element to life. Things that we're attracted to, things that nurture us, the way we nurture others. Level number three is called neshama. Neshama is an intellectual life. Not just an emotional life, but an intellectual one. Level number four is called chaya. Chaya is referring to a transcendent form of life. Transcendence. And number five is yechida, which literally means oneness, utter oneness, where you become completely one with yourself. You're completely in the zone to the point you don't even necessarily even feel transcendence. It's transcendence of transcendence. These are five dimensions. How do they play themselves out in our individual personal lives? So let's go from the bottom up. Functional life means that you're surviving. You know, when someone says, how are you feeling? How are you living? You say, I'm surviving. I'm making ends meet. I'm able to manage. Bare minimum, the pilot flame is at its bare minimum. But it's alive, you're alive. You could be healthy. But you don't necessarily have the stimulation that when you say someone there's being alive, and there's being alive. So you're biologically alive, but but how about your feelings? So many people feel my feelings are numb. I'm cut off, I'm detached, I'm aloof, I'm afraid. Many reasons that our emotional life remains somewhat trapped comes level two, an emotional life. Emotional life means something that excites, that stimulates, that arouses your emotions. It's usually in relationships with others or with experiences. Okay. Then comes a third level of soul expression, and that is intellectual. There's intellectual stimulation. Your mind is creative. Your mind is stimulating. Your mind is imagining, is dreaming. It's, it's exploring. It's probing. You find people that you can have conversations with. That's level three. These three, we shall call them imminent. They are localized and imminent levels of the soul which can be easily defined. And you can easily say, how are you doing in your nefesh life, in your biological life? How are you doing in your emotional life? And how are you doing in your intellectual life? 
As a matter of fact, I would suggest take out a piece of paper and you can actually write down from 1 to 10 where, where do you stand. And that will be a first helpful picture in uh, understanding yourself. So those are the first three levels. Then comes what we call transcendence. Transcendence means it's not about your functionality, about your emotionals, emotions, about your cognitive experiences. It's something that transcends you. Transcendent experience can be, take the shape of romance, they can love, sexuality, they can take the shape of art and music and travel, they can take the shape of religion and faith. There are many ways transcendence manifests itself. It's about something that's greater than you are. Some people stand in nature, sense awe. Well, we all do. Something that lifts you up to another place. Now, that doesn't mean emotions and intellect can't, but this even goes beyond that. It's a transcendent state where you go even beyond. So if you think of it like this, if you think of it of levels of activity, so on a purely basic level, the biological nefesh level, you could say the flame is that high. Emotional adds the flame goes higher. Intellectual higher and transcendent even higher. And then finally there's the transcendence of transcendence and that's an experience where I mentioned you're in the zone. You're completely one with the experience. You don't even feel that you're transcending. You don't even feel the emotion. You're just completely sense of belonging where there is no object and no subject. They dissolve. They absorb. They dissolve and melt into each other. We're not even conscious of your experience, but you can sense a certain inner satisfaction because you're just there. I wouldn't even say sense. You're just, just experiencing it. It's, uh, to, to give an example for each one of us, it's the points in time when you feel utterly at peace, when you're utterly in a place that is completely inner, inner serenity that just takes control of your life. Now, you may say, I've never had that. But everyone has a magical moment, perhaps, like that, which, as I said, is not even a transcendent experience, which has parameters and definitions, and you can define it. You can say, I listened to a song, and it transported me to another time and place. But then, when you're transported there, you can suddenly enter a zone where it's even beyond the transportation, beyond the experience, you're just there. That's the highest level of spiritual experience in these five dimensions. Now, of course, they're not that linear. Each one overlaps with the other, and, the, and, there's, and within each one of them, there are many, many levels and layers and so on. Let's now translate these five in personal experience, in, in relationships. In the questions I asked earlier, that million-dollar question, what, would th- what does it take to have a healthy and enduring relationship? How do I know whether somebody's compatible with me? How do I even know what compatibility is? Can I truly find my soulmate? So let's use these five steps as a way of looking at ourselves and relationship. In a, in a completely basic relationship where you have people who are just surviving, and they'll say there's no romance, there's no emotions, we're just mechanically going through the emotions, which unfortunately many marriages suffer from that. That would be a nefesh level relationship, which means that there's just the basic minimum. You could also include in that physical attraction. Two people are physically attracted to each other. There's a sexual chemistry. That, but that could only be completely on a biological level. You could, you could, for example, love someone physically and then find out there's no one there emotionally. 
People look at beauty, beauty queens or uh, models, and when you start speaking to them, there's no, no connection, no emotional connection. So after physical compatibility comes emotional compatibility. A ruach type of experience. What's the ruach experience? Where we, we care for each other. We're drawn to each other emotionally. There's a certain nurturing going on. You feel special. You feel wanted. You feel needed. That's more than just physical. There's an em- the emotional part of you is coming alive. And of course, there are many levels in that itself, as I mentioned. But now you've introduced the ruach, emotional compatibility. And you're not going to have that with everybody. There could be people who physically you're drawn to or attracted to, but not emotionally necessary. Then comes level three. It's not just emotional. There's actually an exchange of ideas. There's a meeting of the minds, as they say. We're in the same wavelength. We share ideas. We laugh at similar jokes, at each other's jokes. We laugh at things that... We, we look at things a certain way. We could even disagree. But there's an intellectual exchange where your mind is active in part of the relationship. So you can have physical and emotional, but not intellectual. Can't have intellectual and only physical? Of course you can. But then there's missing that emotional side. Now, most people would say, if I had those three, I'd be pretty good off. I remember giving a talk at the Learning Annex in New York City, and the topic was, is there love forever after? That was the question. So I began the class, I began the discussion with that question. I said, does anybody here believe in love forever after? Out of the 50, 60 people, many of them couples that were there, only one young woman raised her hand. I was surprised. Not because I felt that I thought more people believed in it. I thought they wouldn't acknowledge it. I thought at least, especially if their, uh, their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend is sitting right there, you're not raising your hand, what does that say? So I thought they'd at least fake it. No, only one person raised their hand. So we started a discussion. Why? Why don't you believe in love forever after? And the people had a different type of... They said, I've tried it. I see it's, it's, it's a fantasy. I've been hurt. It's stuff of movies, of books. Not real. And one person put it very succinctly, which is exactly what I wanted to hear. Nothing in life lasts forever. Not the food we eat, not the money we make, not our looks, not our youth, not our performance. Nothing lasts forever. Everything mortal... Ages, erodes, deteriorates, and dies and perishes. So why suddenly when it comes to love, love forever after? It's a nice idea, concept, but it's not real. We go through changes, and changes have an effect on our relationships as well. As well. They wear us down. And also being accustomed to somebody, how could it be forever? You get bored. You, you want a new novelty, a new rush of excitement. And people I saw nodding their heads. So I said, what do you think about this young woman who raised her hand? She's young. She's probably not, her heart hasn't been broken. She hasn't been disappointed. She hasn't been betrayed or violated. She'll learn the hard way. So they dismissed her naivete. Now, it was a great springboard for a discussion. So I said, I shared with them, you know, you have a very good point. Humans are mortals. We go through changes, so why would we expect something that is eternal and immortal in our lives? And I talked about these three levels of compatibility. I said there's physical attraction, physical compatibility. That, of course, goes through changes. People age. There's emotional compatibility. That goes through changes because sometimes you get bored with the emotions of that person and you want someone other stimulation, someone at the office, someone you find more attractive physically or emotionally. 
And then there's intellectual stimulation that can also change. So if you talk about those three levels of compatibility, none of them guarantee eternity. So I said, what do you think about that? One person raised their hand, I remember, it was funny. And she said, if I had one out of the three, I'd be happy. <laughs> Two out of the three, it's a home run. Three out of the three is completely not realistic. And I was sad, of course. So I said, let me, my friends, introduce to you a fourth and a fifth level. We'll call the fourth level transcendence, chaya, but we'll call it spiritual compatibility. Interesting, what does that mean? It's not physical, it's not emotional, it's not cognitive, intellectual, it's spiritual. You know what it means? It's a compatibility that actually is not affected by, chain, by time. You know why? Because it's not about you. Looks change. Emotions, emotional needs change. Intellectual needs change. But transcendence is two people who share a vision of a higher reality than their own and the sum of the parts. What kind of home and family will they build? What kind of mark will they leave in the universe? It's transcendent that it's not about, oh, I like how you look, I like your feelings, I like your intellect. We're not dismissing those. But it's something that's beyond. I, look, I like the fact that you, are, you and I are building something greater than you are and greater than I am. And that is not subject to change when you have that. I remember vividly that room with the learning annex. And many times, other times I've shared this, you could see in the room a certain hush, a certain sense. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Now, this doesn't mean people have not thought of it, of course, but put it in that context, it really gives you, opens your eyes. So, of course, then you'll ask the question, what's the fifth level? Be patient. We'll get to that. But I want to talk about the fourth level. Because the fourth level, if you have that, you share that vision. And that's, then that can be enduring and last forever after. Why is that? Because the first three are man, are human, are human related. They're man-made even. The fourth is not about you. It's like a divine dimension that adds an, an ingredient which you are suspending yourself to. What Hasidic thought describes, and I've talked about it many times, bitl, that word bitl, B-I-T-T-U-L, which means a combination of humility and modesty. And I would really say um, ability to, sh- to transcend yourself, to experience something beyond yourself. Bittl. To suspend your immediate needs for something greater than you are. Committing to something greater than you are. That's transcendence, that's bittl. What does that do? That is, does not, that does not subject to change, that does not age. That doesn't change with different stimulation. That's a sharing something that's greater than you are so it could always last. It gives you the taste of eternity. Include that ingredient and the whole relationship changes. So how do we include that ingredient? We make sure that our relationship is not just based on we're going to a nice restaurant, we're going to a nice movie, we're traveling, we're having guests over. So there's biological and physical elements of the relationship which we talked about. Physical contact, there's love, there's sexuality, but that too can be very biological. We talked about emotional, so obviously that enriches the experience. We talked about intellectual. But now introduce the transcendent, which means once a week you and your spouse study something together. You experience something that is greater than each one of you. It's not just my needs being met and your needs being met and we meeting together. 
the transcendent introduces things, spirit, that's greater than each one of you. We're going to volunteer together to go help a home for special children. You can do it separately as well. I'm going to study something every week. I'm going to volunteer and help another person. I'm going to invite guests to my home, not just to party, but maybe we'll have, we'll study together, we'll pray together, we'll sing together. Just quick examples. You're introducing an element that's more than you and your partner and your spouse. And when you do that together, it infuses the intellectual, the emotional, and the, and the biological, the physical. Because imagine having sexuality without emotions. Just physical needs being met, the technique. Imagine that you have emotional intimacy with someone that you also have emotional attraction to, emotional connection. The emotions connect. And then imagine adding intellectual connection. So yes, intellectual connection is a relationship that's there 24-7, and then when you're intimate, it's obviously much richer. But then add this fourth ingredient, transcendence, and that is a whole different dimension. Because now you're introducing into the relationship, to the physical, emotional, intellectual, another a light that comes from another place. Now, I know many people who do have a taste of that, but they don't make it part of their routine and regimen. It's like once in a while we've had this special experience, but they don't bring it back to their daily routines. It's like an escape. The key here is to recognize this fourth dimension of your soul is with you all the time. And you have to find a ways to infuse it into the intellectual, emotional, and, the, and, and physical. And how do you do that? By activities that engage you on all levels, but they're driven by an, a transcendent force. Just to use an example that is, uh, this is an example really, I'd like to use a universal example, then I'll use a Jewish example. A universal example would mean, as I said, a couple, independently or together, decide, you know what, we're going to commit to help a certain organization grow. A school, another organization, a good cause. This cause is greater than you are. It's not the work you do, it's not your job, it's not what you're being paid for, it's not satisfying your physical, emotional, intellectual needs only. It's you're doing it for the cause, for something greater than yourself, a cause. Now imagine you're also using your mind because you volunteered. You become a board member or you're just on a committee or something like that, or even individually. It doesn't have to always be formal. Now you're using your mind, you're using your emotions in relationships, social interactions, and using your physical being to fulfill that cause. This doesn't take away from your own needs. It's an addition to what happens. Your life is now elevated to something more than just you. And when you do that with your partner, you're both joined and entered a domain that is beyond each one of you. And that's where the eternity begins to seep in. Because you're both committed to something greater. It's part of your lives. And therefore, it elevates every other part of you. That's how it works. If a person's consumed only with their own needs, that is what controls your life. But if you have your needs, but you also dedicate time and energy and effort and finances or any other way to something greater, it also elevates the rest of you. It does. And that transforms relationships. So when you're looking for a soulmate in that sense, let's talk now about the compatibility. You're looking for all these levels of compatibility. As a matter of fact, the one you want most is the fourth one. That's not to dismiss the other three. You want all. You want the whole package. 
But I can assure you that if you have transcendence, the emotional connection to someone else is deeper and richer, and the same with intellectual, and the same with the physical. So that's, that's how you look for compatibility. You say, what's a soulmate? You know what a soulmate is? Someone who's working on and actualizing the, the levels of their soul. In this case, we've been talking about four. We'll get to the fifth shortly. And what does that mean? You're activating and working on it. So you're looking for someone, yes, of course, is physically appealing. That, in a way, is the easy part. Second, there's an emotional life going on. A person who's emotionally stimulated, mostly stimulating. There's the intellectual, intellectual life. But then there's the, the, the transcendent aspect. You see a person who's dedicated to something greater than themselves. Not just about me, me, me. Sadly, I, I, uh, well, this is not sadly. I do counsel, I do coach many couples. But sadly, at times I see something which really is always troubling. And I share it in my own way. You see the couple, they love each other dearly, but it's all about them. They've now found each other. So now it's like a uh, mutual selfishness. Now, I absolutely honor and respect and love that people love each other. That's great. But I always suggest to them, have something that's more than just each other. Because if you, you grow, if you build upon it that's just you and you and nothing else, you'll also, like they say, you, you, can, you grow by, by the sword or you die by the sword. The sword is not maybe the right word here. But the love is based on that type of self-interest. Then also when self-interest gets in the way, it will have an effect. Introduce something transcendent. You're getting married soon. Make sure every Thursday night or every Friday or whatever, study something together. You're a Jewish couple. Do Shabbat, do a Friday night dinner, a Shabbat dinner. Sing songs, tell stories, invite guests. Talk about things greater than individuals. And, of course, the question is, what, are we supposed to ignore each other? We'll do that after five years in our marriage. No, immediately. You're not ignoring each other. You're introducing into each other's lives something greater than you are. It's not minus, it's adding. And that will enhance the personal relationship. And I can tell you, it's never failed. This works. The point that a couple came to me years ago, and they had many issues, and I helped introduce this fourth dimension. And they began to do it. They said, you're getting married in a few months. Make sure you commit once a month, invite guests to your house. Have some type of event, something meaningful. Once a week, the end of the week, study something together. Try to keep a kosher home, a home of Shabbat, different things like that. These are things I told them are foundations that will carry you. Now you carry them, but they will carry you in times when you need them to carry you. In all times, but especially in times of need. Time passed. They were both very busy working people. And I hear from them that things are not going so well. They came to speak to me, but it was really... To the point that one day they come to tell me the following. I thought I'm going to hear the worst news. They actually came to thank me. They said our marriage was literally about to end. We'd come home, we'd argue about money, about this thing, about that thing. To the point we didn't want to argue anymore, so we just had this cold war, silent treatment. Didn't talk to each other, barely talked, except on that biological basic, basic minimum. They used that language because I, I, I explained that to them. And when preparation, when they first met, what a soulmate is. And they said, and there was a point we really were not talking to each other, and we said, you know. But we kept one promise. We told you, and we told each other, that we would continue studying. So Thursday night, rain or snow, it made no difference. We continued doing that. And everything else was gone. 
practically. Except us living under the same roof. But that we kept on doing, and that was the oasis upon which we rebuilt our relationship. Because at some point we're saying we could learn together. And we're learning about things, not about you, not about me, something greater than us. Why can't we rebuild? And that's what saved their marriage. I gave them tremendous credit because they held on to it. And then it came back to many times over the dividends of that. That's what spiritual and transcendent compatibility does. It lifts you to a place that's beyond you. So in times when you can't bring yourself, for whatever reason, you may be right or wrong, you have something to hold on to. It's like a lifeline. And you brought it into your life. And you never leave it, even when it's not comfortable. Because that's what's going to be the force that keeps you going. And that is, my friends, the key to the fourth level of compatibility. So when you're dating, obviously look for all the, the, the physical, the emotional, intellectual, but you want, above all, someone you can share a vision with. And for that, you both need to be kind people and sensitive people, listen to each other. The others, you could say emotional compatibility, you could also say there's listening to each other, intellectual compatibility as well, but it's not transcendent. It's still about, I'm listening to you because you listen to me. If you ignore me, I may ignore you. Transcendent is not about me, it's not conditional. There's something that's greater than the sum of the parts. Look for that. Talk about it. I remember, I found it somewhat amusing, but it was interesting. At some point, I was giving the classes in Manhattan years ago, and people would see couples coming. And usually I knew one, not the other. And I saw this happening more than once. Then someone told me, that, you know, it's become known in the city. It's a great place to bring someone, your date to this class. Why? Because you find out a lot about your date. Because you talk about these ideas, transcendent ideas, spiritual ideas, and the, which I love. So I'll bring my date. Let me see how they react. Instead of me challenging them or talking to them, let them, let them listen to you. And my class became the place where they, afterwards they would go out. They say, you know what? I see this person is completely not for me. She or he doesn't even get what you were saying. They don't even know why I brought you. Or, on the contrary, it brought out a whole discussion. It stimulated and generated ideas. And I suddenly discovered something about my date that I never knew about before. What was happening? As soon as you bring spirituality in, you suddenly discover things about yourself and about another that you maybe have never been aware of. And that's the second thing that's sometimes so tragic. People have that. But because we get caught up in the superficial and the politics of the superficial, we never even see that part of dimension of each of us, yourself and the other, in that light. That's why it's so vital to introduce the Chaya, transcendent dimension, to talk about it. And even if you talk about it at a date, why not? It should be very comfortable. You're not talking about, am I attracted to you, am I not, emotional connection. You're talking about things that are beyond, so in a way it's very comfortable. You learn a lot about a person. And that will absolutely impact the other three levels. Not even a question. That's what you're looking for. So focus is vital. Just like if you're looking to hire someone for a job. I don't, want, I don't mean to compare it on such a mundane level. You need to know what you're hiring for. What's your job description? You don't just want a nice person. Does the person fit the bill? So what's the job description in a soulmate? It's not a job that they can wash the dishes for you, they'll be nice to you, they'll treat you well. That is one, that's one aspect is that there's an emotional, intellectual, and above all, transcendent, a visionary dimension to this. 
And even if it isn't right now, but at least you can talk about it. And we both can say, you know what, I don't have a vision for my life. And the other person says on the other, the other date, the other person on the date says, I also don't have. So talk about, should we have a vision? Is it important? And you'll learn a lot from people right there and there. Now, by no means is this a magic pill and a magic trick and you're going to do this and that. You need to be there. You need to actually bring yourself. Many people are not interested in going where I'm describing. They see a relationship as being, you know what? I want to just have a, a sexual relationship with this person. You know, hopefully it'll also be loving. Maybe it'll go somewhere. I want to just have pleasure. A one-night stand. Obviously, a person like that is not going to embrace the ideas I'm describing because this requires commitment. This requires thought. This requires introspection. This requires some seriousness. So I hope what I'm saying resonates even for all, for all people, no matter where you are. But if you want an enduring relationship, enduring, not one-night stand, you need to invest. You need to bring the soul into it. Your soul and the other person's soul. And these are some of the ways to do so. So now you'll ask, okay, what about the fifth? I've become greedy. I've now no four. The reason I didn't mention the fifth immediately because the fourth is hard enough to access. I'm not saying it's, it's delightful. It will transform your life in ways you'll be shocked how it elevates you and elevates any relationship. But it takes work. So now I will talk about the fifth, but I didn't want to jump right into it because I didn't want to turn into, okay, I'm up, up to level four, now I'm ready for five. Usually you're not ready for five until you do four. Because five is extremely hard to access without four. Actually, without one, two, three, four. But especially without four. And I'll give a few examples for it. There's the idea that you put effort into something. You work hard at it. And then you even go into a transcendent level. You're working hard on that transcendence. Then there's something that's called payback, the dividends. What happens after you put all the work in? Do you get in return more than the work you invested? Yes. Initially, you'll get what you invested. You'll get in return, commensurate to that. But then there's something else happens when a person does real work. Let's just say you paint a painting. You do a great job. You build a house. You compose or you play a music, whatever it is. So there's a satisfaction that you have from the work you did. And the work results in a product, and then you're very satisfied with that. Then there's one more dimension, however. Something happens afterwards. Even when you're not engaged with that activity, with that music or art or work or building, whatever it is that you built, there's an inner serenity, an inner element of peace that you achieve. Let's take parents and children. I'm just using that example. I apologize, sometimes these examples hurt some people who don't have children. But I'll use examples, of course, for that as well. You have children. So we all, a natural love of a parent to a child is always there. But sometimes it's expressed. I love my child. I want to hug my child. I want to talk to my child. I want to do something together. This could also be two people, two adults, who love each other, brother and sister or spouses. So, but there is a fundamental love that's there even when that person is not in your presence, even when you're not thinking about them. But when you do love, love them and you do something that expresses that love, so that at the moment there's the passion, there's the energy of love. But then afterwards, when time passes, you still have that connection inside of you. However, it's not expressed. That's Yechida. It's a core essence and quintessence of an experience, but it's not related to an actual experience. The four levels of compatibility, even transcendence, are related to experiences. The difference is the first three levels is experience with yourself. And the 
fourth level is an experience of something greater than yourself. And the fifth is not even an experience. You're just oneness. It's a certain piece. You're like a fish in water. And the fish doesn't have to say, I'm in water, I'm wet, I'm, I'm engulfed. The water just engulfs you. You get absorbed in the experience. And being in the zone is an excellent way of express, explaining it. As a writer, I can tell you, there's times you write, you write, you're working hard, you feel it, you sense it, you feel blocked. Then there's that gift that happens after sometimes a lot of hard work. Suddenly the flow. And your fingers are just, the ideas are just flowing out of your fingers. And it's like magical. You always want that. But if you put too much conscious focus on it, you lose that moment. And you just flow. Sometimes you're up late at night doing a project. You don't even realize that it's already the wee hours and that you may be hungry because you've been so absorbed in the experience. You and the experience have become one. This is Yechida-like talk. Another example. It's just a sens- on a sensation level. If I asked you right now this question, and then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to this question. What is your left leg doing? So right now you're going to think, oh, my left leg? Or it's resting, it's on a, uh, on a couch, it's on the floor, or whatever. I feel pain, or I feel comfortable. The second question, what was your left leg doing before you thought about it? That's a good question. It was doing whatever it was doing. It wasn't gone. You're just not aware of it because life doesn't have sensation. Someone says, what does healthy life feel like? The answer is, if you have an answer, there's a problem. If you feel sensation, I feel a blunt sensation, I feel a sharp sensation, I feel this type of... Life and health is supposed to flow. What does it feel like the, your blood ru- running through your veins? Your heart pumping. If you're running fast, you feel your heart. But in a regular, healthy approach, it's all seamless. That's in the zone. As soon as you can talk about the experience, you're already so-called out of it. So there's an essential connection, essential intrinsic unity, inherent unity that we all experience. Sometimes you're watching a beautiful scene. There's transcendence. You feel being lifted to another place, and then there's a point you even lose sight of that. You're so in the moment, and you say, what, what was that? And sometimes someone can say, well, where were you? I don't know where you were. You, you, you melted in. You dissolved into the experience. So the transcendence led you there. And it's a form of transcendence, but transcendence can be experienced and felt, and there's a point where it's just one. I'm going to use sexuality and love as an example. I don't like the word sexuality. Let's use intimacy. In the deepest levels of intimacy where people say, I experience the highest level of pleasure. You know what's really happening then? In the words of the Torah and the Bible? Two individuals, man and woman, have become one flesh. And you literally dissolve into one another. And that's the experience people talk about. Today it's become so hedonistic that that itself has become a goal, and that itself we're trying to mechanize and turn into a technique. That's like trying to turn being in the zone, completely being absorbed by something greater into a pill. You know what? You don't have to go to Niagara Falls or some act of nature. I'll give you something to take and you're going to feel that type of bliss. You want a bliss that's natural that comes from being there. So yes, sexuality, intimacy, has a biological side, an emotional side, intellectual side, a transcendent side, and a unity side, a oneness. And the same is with the entire relationships. That's why I left this for last. Simply because you can't get there without doing the steps before. You can't just get there. When you have the physical, and you have the emotional, and you have the intellectual, and you have it all infused with transcendence, 
something happens. And it sometimes can happen even in the most innocuous times, times where there's no dramatics, not middle of a wedding or middle of, a, of, 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 of love or because you're doing something great. It could be in the kitchen table in the morning you're just drinking a coffee together. Simple things, but there's a connection. And you just feel it. And it's not even, you can't even celebrate it because it doesn't, nothing dramatic about it. Like I said, you can celebrate a party, a birthday, you show love. This is not even demonstrative. This is just being. Two people being, you see them sitting and you say, what a beautiful couple. Precisely because nothing else is happening. And precisely because they don't even talk about it. It's just there. You some people who really love each other. There are times where you can see it. And sometimes you just see there's that respect. There's that almost, I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to say ordinariness because it's extraordinary within the ordinary, but it's almost routine. Just they live their lives, but there's a ki- kindness. There's a fundamental connection, a yechide connection. So, love relationships is complex. But the biggest, most complex part of it is, you know what? We make it complex. Because we bring our baggage, we bring our attitudes, we bring our expectations, we bring our comparisons. She's not like that woman I saw in a movie. She's not like the woman I dated five years ago. He's not like that. He's not like... Instead of bringing them fundamentals, you have a soul in front of you. Is this soul a soulmate of yours? Talk about those things. Address the priorities. Don't compare. And try to find dimensions that the other brings out of you and you bring out of them. Then you know you're on the right track. Look for things that are beyond yourself. And this is in addition to the levels of compatibility I've been describing. And you'll discover new dimensions within yourself and with the other, and ultimately the real secret to that eternal union, to healthy, enduring, sustainable, above all, thriving relationships that are always growing. Because as I said, other things wear down, other things become routine, they become boring, monotonous. But they're their experiences that are constantly new. The vision, the sparkle. 90-year-olds, two couples that are 90 years old each, 100 years old, can still have that. And interestingly, that makes the physical, emotional, and cognitive all work because they have that transcendent that remains with them and actually only grows. So obviously this is a much, much bigger topic. I hope I did some justice to it. Relationship by the Kabbalah of dating. You can go to our site, MeaningfulLife.com, for a lot more material on this topic itself and many other subjects. Please do so. And please share and like. And you can find this material on all platforms, social media. You can download it as an MP3. I, I, uh, what was I <laughs> as a um, podcast. We have podcast channels as well. You name it. And please share your thoughts, your feedback. That's most valuable, most important. Because this too is a relationship. Maybe not a romantic one. Relationship with myself, Meaningful Life Center, and you, wherever you may be. And we need each other, and we complement each other. And we too have the physical, the emotional, intellectual, and the transcendent, and ultimately the oneness that every soul experiences with another. And nothing greater than to be able to have that experience with you. So everyone be blessed. As we come now to the close of the year, mid-December, Please consider giving a gift, financial, charitable, completely tax-deductible gift to the Meaningful Life Center. We thrive. 
we survive, I should say, and thrive on your contributions. It's easy to do. Go to MeaningfulLife.com slash donate. You can sponsor programs in honor of a loved one, memory of a loved one. And above all, share. Share your life. Tell us about yourself. Tell us what, how we can help you. And hopefully we can do what we have to do and you can do what you have to do. And we can all join in one symbiotic dance, cosmic dance, where each of us is needed and each of us needs the other. Everyone have a very good week. We're here every Wednesday, 8.30, but these programs are all archived, accessible, as I said, on all the platforms. Be blessed, and may we all experience all five dimensions of the soul in everything we do, but especially in our relationships, in our healthy and building healthy relationships, healthy families, and a healthy and eternal future.